Society Show on Cairo Radio. It's Chef Tom Douglas. And Terry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. We're happy to be here at the beautiful Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle. Annie's busy cooking breakfast for our guests. And Pamela's back from her sojourn to the East Coast. So am I. Yes. Uh, I was back there for a minute also. Uh, it's good to be back in Seattle. What a couple of lovely days we've had. And now I feel like it's home starting today. So. We went from winter to summer. And then back. And then back. <laughs> Yeah, there was lots of lightning uh, yesterday, yeah. last night, this morning. Uh, if you want to join us at some point in, here in the studio or watch us on uh, YouTube Live, uh, go to Hot Stove Society for tickets or go to Tom Douglas & Co. For, to watch uh, our YouTube channel every Thursday morning when we tape here at the Hot Stove Kitchens. And also you can check out our upcoming classes. We look forward to an entertaining cookbook dinner with uh, Michaela. She was on last week. Yeah, she week. was on last week. Yeah. She's yeah. pretty spicy. I always. think she's going to do a great class. Yeah. Always, always spicy. May, uh, tw- what is it, May 12th is hers? Yeah. yeah. May 12th is her hands-on pasta class. We have a paella party class coming up with Chef Bridget on the 19th and classy crepes on May 20th. Are you teaching the crepes? Uh, no. We can't no, afford them. Oh, and- we can't afford them? No. <laughs> Man, well, what I he bet Kathy makes a better crepe anyway. I used to make, Probably. I used to make, <laughs> I used to make crepe for free. Now it's like, uh, no, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. You're- you're hard to come by now. Uh, big show for you today. Uh, Pam, did you uh, miss all the flowers while you were on the East Coast? Did you, your yard is full of uh, lilacs and cherry blossoms. Oh, they waited for me. Did they wait for yeah, you? it's perfect. <laughs> she and my wife, uh, they walked down the alleys of Seattle with a small pair of clippers in their back <laughs> pockets. Yeah, I have a wife that does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And they, they go, and all of a sudden they have a bouquet. Yeah. And the poor neighbors are in tears like, what happened to my... I don't walk. I have a getaway car. You have a getaway car. And you feel like if they're hanging into the alley, alley. they're fair game. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's peak of the season time. I would say we're just a minute before the peak of asparagus season, but uh, it is a delicious uh, crop this year. I've had several uh, already uh, out of the Northern California area, and we're going to talk a little bit about asparagus because it is coming on strong. Friends of the company registered dietitian Janine Sherry has tips on... Uh, Speed scratch dinners and stocking your pantry in a healthy way. Carol's here to talk about our brand new all-star rub. In oh, honor. yeah. We couldn't say it on the thing like it's an honor for Major League Baseball because you're not allowed to, to oh. do that. But so we just called it all-star rub. Okay. But it's, uh, we have That's the, a nuance. Yeah, we have the baseball game this year here. I don't even know. It's not Safeco Field anymore. It's T-Mobile Park. Yeah, T-Mobile Park. I remember a day when as it was the Kingdom. As long as you don't call it the Dome. <laughs> Uh, mom knows best uh, what we've learned from our moms. Uh, uh, if you've never taken a sojourn here to the to the um, Hot Stove Society, you haven't yet seen the new installation over in the corner of my mother's six burners, two oven, two broiler, Wedgwood masterpiece that I inherited when she passed this year. It's got a little place of honor at the hot stove now. We've been running a contest, Pam, and it ends at the end of this weekend after the, our last show. Is that right? Yeah, it, um, it closes on the 5th, so by the time this is on the air, we'll have chosen our winner. Oh, okay. So, And that was all about sharing a picture of your stove that you grew up with and maybe a thought about uh, your mom and, and in honor of Mother's Day, what she made that was so delicious that you continue it on in your own life as we move forward. We have a Mother's Day edition of uh, Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by Becky Guzak, who's in oh, the yeah. audience today. Yes. Um, 
her her trivia's are difficult though. She makes Pam look she like she goes a, in deep. <laughs> I think like Bridget a, gave you guys a hard time last week. Oh my Woo. god. That was rough. <laughs> Ridiculous. We're going to have our taste of the week, chef, and that includes you. I uh, went to a place yesterday for lunch. It's called Caspian. It's in Bellevue and um, Where? In Bellevue. Huh, you know the city that's growing on the east side of this growing. town. Yeah, it's consuming us. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it was a very delicious lunch, and uh, very surprisingly, it tasted like a home, like home food. Like it was very made with, you know, you could tell it was all family running the place, and um, the food was very honest, very delicious. The hummus, mm-hmm. to start, I'm like, well, you know, you got to try the hummus first, because it says Mediterranean food, and I believe it's, uh, it's called Caspian to start with. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to try your hummus. And, you know, it might be a little bit light on the tiny. You know, you know I like rich tiny in my, in my hummus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm used to it. But still, it was very, very uh, tasty and not too lemony like, you know, we like it sometime. Or, oh, you can't make it too lemony for me. Well, let's see. There is different, mm-hmm. different hummus mm-hmm. flavor everywhere, but it was really good. And was it uh, more of a ground hummus or more of whipped no, whipped. Whipped. But it was actually, I think it was maybe even strained. I don't know if it was strained. No, because there was still a little bit of pieces here and there. So mm-hmm. um, yogurt with shallots, really delicious, very simple, and you know, just nice little dipping sauces mm-hmm. to start. The pita bread was very interesting. I, I've never had pita bread like this. It was folded, rectangle, um, very, very thin. But the food, I had some beef skewer that were really absolutely spiced correctly and very... You know, just delicious food, and I just want to give them a plug because I think it's worth a trip. Uh, if you're on North Way Up, Bellevue, it's close by, and if you're going any in any close of that area, right off 520 there, it's really delicious. Cool. Thank you. My taste of the week is uh, I'm doing a collaboration with Mendocino Farms, which is a restaurant group out of California that's moving into downtown Seattle with two locations here in the near future, and they are, they're more of a soup and sandwich kind of spot, and... I'm all about anyone who's coming into downtown Seattle. I don't yeah. care if they take my business or whatever, but I like the I like the energy uh, energy exactly yeah. that's uh, they're going to bring. And so I've been working on a sandwich collab of doing a Mexican style torta with a a piece of uh, Bristol Bay salmon, the sockeye salmon that's breaded in a mixture of cornstarch and corn uh, flour and corn meal. Wow! So Whoa. it's one of my favorite dredges. A lot that going I use on there, frying. TD. I know, but it's just, it's very simple, honestly. So it's one-third cornstarch, one-third masa harina, and one-third ground, uh, medium ground cornmeal. Uh-huh. So you get a little texture, but it's not all texture. Right. And so uh, if you look at black southern fi- fried fish, it's almost all just medium ground cornmeal. Any spice rub on this? Any yeah, it's going to have our rub with love fish taco spice. So it's like a fish taco torta. Where are they going? They're going over here where the old um, Starbucks... Princey? Place was on the Princey space on uh, Pretty West spot. Lake Avenue. Yeah, that's, that'll and be nice. I believe they're also going to Rainier Square eventually. Mm. But if I, I don't know if that's a signed deal or not. Anyway, looking forward to having some new energy here in downtown Seattle. All right, let's take a break and come back and talk asparagus. It's that time. So exciting. Did you know asparagus can grow up to 10 inches a day? I can't wait to just sit in the field and watch it. I know. <laughs> On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Pizza! P-I-T-Z-A. Give me pizza! Asparagus 
Okay, we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. And uh, as you know, if you listen to us often enough, Pam, Pam Hinckley came up with a zinger right before uh, we broke on the last segment, which she's going to sit in a field in eastern Washington and watch the asparagus, asparagus grow. grow. But what did you say you have to have to go with it? Tea. Maybe an herbal tea. An herbal <laughs> asparagus tea. <laughs> an, herbal, an herbal gummy. Of <laughs> um, and, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that could be like, that could take you right back to your, your days. When I was um, in, we picked Jackie up in Harford when she came to Connecticut last week, and I showed her the site of the hippie restaurant I used to cook at. Oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty epic because it's right across from the train station in downtown Hartford. Is that why we have a segment on tofu today? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you got re-inspired. Re-inspired. Interesting. So asparagus, Chef, uh, yes. when I uh, drive over to our farm in uh, Prosser, east of Yakima, uh, you see the folks bent over at the waist with their asparagus knife kind of digging about an inch or so underneath the soil, which is why... You often see asparagus with like a, a white end on the bottom. Right. That tough end because they're digging right down into the dirt to pick that up. It is backbreaking work. Yes. And it is something I wouldn't want to that be doing that all day. When you're eating asparagus, you should really appreciate what the folks have done to get that to they you. It also kind of sting when you, but you know, they're like those, that foliage is a little bit not very friendly either. So hmm. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. But there's not much foliage this time of year. If you, if you right. drive by our asparagus field... You really just see spears Six. coming out of the ground. Which is what you want, yeah. Uh, the other thing I say, uh, I like the big fat asparagus, and you can buy it by the size. If you look, probably at the grocery store, they're going to not really set it up that way. But right. uh, when I can see the big fat ones that are going to take a char on the grill without wilting. Right. You know, when you do the little pencil asparagus on the grill, by the time you get a char, it's overcooked. Right, right. right so right. the big ones can take a char and still not be overcooked in the center. Which is how I like my asparagus grilled grilled mm. but still with a still with al dente right yeah 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 and a nice little lemon zest and you know just a lemon lemon olive oil mustard dressing mm-hmm. very simple i love that so delicious mm-hmm. it's a great garnish or starter or i mean you can use it just about anywhere in your meal right you know and then you can chop it and put it into a salad if you have some roasted chicken you know just put that and or a piece of fish piece of salmon with that crumbled together and have a wonderful asparagus and salmon salad. The other night I was cooking for a friend's 70th birthday. I can't believe my friends are turning 70. It's just ridiculous. Those are your new friends. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to need, other one I'm gonna older. need new friends if they keep getting this old. Anyway, it's, um, in my life, it's true. I have a lot of friends turning uh, in the big 7-0. Not even going to look at who else might be getting close. But I did the... I had oh, I was cooking over at the Serious Pie, the old one, the original Serious Pie, and uh-huh. I was, so all I had to cook with was the wood oven, and I had to do uh, dinner for twenty five people. So right. uh, I put the big fat asparagus. I peeled the ends, which saves you about twenty five percent of the asparagus. If, if asparagus right. is five dollars a pound, if you cut off those bottom two inches, like people tell you, there goes two dollars right. right there, right? Or a dollar. And then if you break it, like oftentimes the old wives' tale is like, break it, it'll break where it's tender. It's like nonsense. Don't do that. Just peel it first, take a little bite off the end, see if it's too tough. Just because it's white doesn't make it not taste like asparagus. Right. Remember, asparagus, white asparagus is four times the price of yeah. regular asparagus. Yeah. So That's what we grew up, that's what I grew up with. That's what we used to grow in our backyard. Right. We had mounts of dirt 
and we had the asparagus growing on right. and you mound the dirt up right, right, right. Yeah. you keep the dirt up so the asparagus stays white so and as you so you pay extra for that so when we see it we tend in america i think we tend to want to cut that off we think it's going to be tough right and it's just not the case so peel that first peel the bottom say two or three inches of your spear and especially if they're the big ones uh and then um i just put them on a sheet pan with uh, extra virgin lemon olive oil and roasted them in the oven, in right. the wood oven, right. on a half sheet pan. Nice. And so nice. you can do the same in your charcoal grill. And you, the difference is you don't get the super caramelization. You still pick up a little bit of smoke because right. of the olive oil will pick up the smoke flavor. But it's not nearly as smoky as, say, grilling right over the fire. Right, right. It's a different Because some people don't like that. Like, right. my wife doesn't love that heavy smoke. No, I think, I think char is actually a little bit different of a flavor. Smoke is a little bit different, I think, of a flavor, yeah, especially on, on the asparagus. I would think that I, I, I like the grill flavor. I like the char on some places and not others. Right. I, I like that part where you taste both while you're eating. I think that's good, Yeah, because you don't want to overwhelm with the asparagus. Do you have a favorite way, Miss Hinckley? That- well, no, I, I'm still reflecting on your treatment of the stalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said taste it for toughness, but I also think that there's a place where the flavor is good yeah that's where we disagree and you (laughs) (laughs) the grade of flavor is all the way to the bottom and logically logically you would think that the asparagus would taste even stronger on the bottom visually goes up she's correct because visually our mind says if it's green it's going to taste better than that white part Mm -hmm. but like we were just saying white asparagus that is mounded up with dirt is more value is more prized financially. It's more tender as you go up, but it is. I would think it's more concentrated on flavor as you're down because that's it comes what I'm wondering. That's what I'm asking. Like, it, where does it, it at that bottom of it not taste good anymore? It's all the same plant. It pretty much has to taste the same. <laughs> I think it's yeah, I think different. I think maybe the first you know inch maybe, but other and it's mostly because it's in dirt. But otherwise, flavor wise. I dare you. I mean, I would do a blind tasting for mm-hmm. sure. And I dare Texture-wise, you. it definitely gets more, more chalky. At well, the, it gets tougher right a little bit because it's the bottom. So. What is your favorite way to have asparagus? Grilled. Yeah. Um, well, and last week we bought New Jersey asparagus. and um, it, oh, That's right. You were on the East Coast. Yeah. yeah and it was spectacular mm-hmm. grilled. But the recipe that caught my attention for this segment was uh, grilled, but then in a nod to Terry. Harissa Hollandaise, so good. To yeah, spite. no, I, would, I think that would be delicious. The Harissa Hollandaise and then a really soft egg. Yeah. It has all yeah. your perfect things. We used to serve that at Lule uh, for brunch. We used to serve that um, Harissa Hollandaise and asparagus when they were in season with yeah. an egg. That was with a poached egg. That's, that's got all the texture. Brunch texture all the way and a mm-hmm. nice muffin on the bottom. Yeah, that's really delicious. So the asparagus benedict is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. You did. Yeah. But I do love cold asparagus soup. I, I love asparagus soup, not yeah. necessarily cold. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I love it. With it, do you do a chicken stock? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very delicious. And again, that's one great way to use all those bottom part of the asparagus. If, if you want to have nothing but tender tops for your guest or for your salad or for your side dish, you can use the bottom part and chop it and cook it very, you know, you just blanch it very quickly and... You can make a fabulous soup with that. And quiche. I love it in quiche. 60%. Oh, yeah. uh, your research says that 60% of the cost of asparagus is related to the labor of yes. uh, growing it, which yeah. is probably not a big surprise. You know, it grows on those crowns. Once you uh, have a, those crowns in the field for 10 or so years, that field is done for life. 
for asparagus. You have to go to a different field because of the different um, organisms that live in those crowns. It infects the soil forever. Right. Yeah. And so you can't plant a new field. I'm surprised it's 10 years. That's a long time. 10, 10 or 12 years, yeah, actually. And then you the just got to move crop. on. Move on, plant rhubarb there or something. I don't know what it is. But yeah, uh, about 10 inches uh, in, in uh, a day in peak season when the heat comes on, which is happening <laughs> over there in the east side right now. We had a 90-degree day this last week, which was amazing. All right, uh, we have two segments uh, devoted to Janine Sherry, our inspirational dietitian colleague who we got to know through her help on nutrition labeling. I think that's an interesting thing I'd like to touch on, too, when she comes on for the home entrepreneur who's thinking about uh, building a product uh, it has to be you have to do uh, nutritionals on it so that's something all tuning for on cairo radio it's the hot stove society show 97.3 fm Here we are back in the kitchen on Cairo. Chef, uh, what do you have in front of you there? I have a beautiful breakfast. My favorite. A nice little torta. Tortilla. Tortilla, pardon me. Mm, I'm sorry and, I asked. Uh, sauteed uh, Swiss chard and a beautiful little sausages. I mean, they're like so cute. A little uh, <laughs> look like uh, could be like a little size. dog poop or something. They're like uh, they're like little Vienna weenies, but they're chorizo. <laughs> yes, but yeah. they're tiny. They're beautiful yeah. and delicious too. And I think and a blueberry muffin. That's that, my friends, is what you get when you come and buy a ticket here for breakfast uh, with a hot cup. Pretty of swanky. Pretty swanky stuff. All right, Janine Sherry is president of the New Wellness Topics, uh, and uh, today we're going to talk about a well-stocked pantry. And we're going to contrast a little bit between you, the dietitian, mm-hmm. and us, the chefy types. Right. And so we're obviously... Be careful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we obviously don't know anything except our belly. <laughs> our listeners don't know you, Janine. They, uh, they don't know that you did all the nutritional work for our products, whether yes. it was our sauces or our rubs or whatever. And you have to have, in our world, we have to have scientifically exactly the amount of... Uh, ingredients of this and that labeled in order on our label Mm -hmm. and also there's uh the recommended uh i don't know that we have to have the rda you have daily values on there everybody does Mm -hmm. yeah everyone does so how did you get into that world and uh, before we get started on what's in your pantry i started um i was a consultant in richmond virginia for a long time and worked with a grocery store and i was their consulting dietitian i would do seminars for their customers and i would write columns for their Newsletters, things like that, and it lead grocery store tours. And this was back in the eighties, uh-huh. and show people. Did how you to say labels. tours? Tours, yes. Of the grocery store, we would do two-hour grocery store tours. So that was my room. ideal job. I wanted to be a concierge at a grocery store. Yes, and it's, it's big now. We were one of the first to do it. Actually, Safeway started. We were probably one of the second companies to do it. My and guess now, is you might need much, a degree too. <laughs> it helps. Yeah. It does help. Um, and then we were, I was working with this grocery store who did a lot of prepared foods. They had a central commissary. It was when NLEA, the Nutritional Labeling Act, came into play in 1990. And we realized because we were a manufacturing facility, we were going to have to do nutrition labeling. And so we were at a big conference table and everybody looked around and says, well, I guess you're going to do it. <laughs> you're the one. And I said, okay. So I learned the regulations 
um, got some training and uh-huh. have been doing it for 30 years. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. And it's a very... And, and to be, I just want to say one thing before this, I forget. To be clear, Pamela does have a degree. It's just not in nutrition. <laughs> Anything <Yeah>. relevant. <laughs> okay. I was going to say your job is very needed today because everyone needs this, including many restaurants and so on. So yes, forth. now it's, it's expanded into restaurants. Right. So I do menu labeling for restaurants. Right. If you have more than uh, 20 locations, you have to have calories posted on your menu board. It's, right. it's gotten... Um, complicated to be in the food industry these days. All right, so let's talk about your pantry and maybe okay. the dietitian's pantry compared to the chef's, chef's pantry. pantry. Yes, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you all have in your pantries compared to Rub with love. What I <laughs> It's in both. It's in yeah. both Dijon, for sure. Dijon mustard. Dijon mustard. That's that that number is on my one list. Item. And Harissa oh. is number 2. Okay, see I would like to Olives learn. is number 3. Olives, I agree. You keep yeah. onions in your pantry, not in your... Well, in my fridge. I guess your dry pantry, yeah. But I'm, I'm stretching pantry to include fridge and freezer. Oh, okay. Right. So right. basically right. stocking your kitchen. Right. All right. So and what then, did you... Uh, when you kept pulling stuff out of your bag, it looked like you were Mary Poppins. You know, know how she could, like a clown you could just car. keep pulling things out of her, I do. Out of her bag. So I brought some um, key items that I love. And I will mention that um, I do primarily most of my shopping at Costco, Trader Joe's, and then I fill in with other places. Uh-huh. Costco's done a really nice job with uh, organics and offering a healthier selection of items at, at a good price point where the average person can afford them instead mm-hmm. of, um, you know. Do they have smaller. fresh veggies and everything? Do they have what? Fresh vegetable and everything? Yeah, they, they have oh, a ton cool. of produce, yes. A, a lot of produce and a ton to of it's organic. Yes, you do. So anyhow, when I, when I start my pantry, I usually start with nuts and oils. So I consider them by food groups, so fats. Mm-hmm. So with nuts and oils, I focus on olive oil predominantly. And then when I don't want to use olive oil, um, I use avocado cooking oil spray. Uh-huh. And this is a really nice one, again, at, at Costco. Um, no propellants or anything in it. It's just 100% al- avocado uh-huh. oil. And, it's, and, and when you choose to use that, why are you choosing that over olive oil? They're both vegetable oils, right? Right. Um, mainly, I really like the spray so, because it goes on so flavor. evenly. Uh, it does have a little bit of flavor to it, um, but it's, it just gives a nice, even uh, coating so yeah. I don't have to... Swirl the olive oil and you cook the pan. with it. I cook with it. So yes. it's, a, it's got a higher con- uh, yes, very high point. smoke point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to do with it is when I make oven fries, either out of russet potatoes or sweet potatoes. I, I cut them into thick wedges, leave the skin on, and I spray this on top. Uh-huh. And then my new favorite thing on sweet potato fries is the smoky Yay. barbecue rub. It is unbelievable on oh, sweet potato fries. That's a good fries. contrast yeah. to so sweet good. potato. Yeah, so that was a big hit last week when I did that. So those are my primary oils. And then as far as, as other fats, I do a lot of nuts. I do um, mainly walnuts, pecans, and almonds are the top ones that I do for their saturated uh, and uh, their, their fat profile. They're uh-huh. low in saturated fats, have a lot of the healthy um, omega-3 fats in there, which is none of us really get a, a lot of those fats. Right. We have to really work on getting more nuts and, and seafood into That's our diet. That's why salmon a lot. Yeah, salmon's probably the, the best source. So and how do you incorporate nuts in your diet without just eating a handful of cashews, say, or whatever? Right, yeah. because that can get dangerous from a calorie standpoint because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're so good. Mm-hmm. And like a little handful, about an ounce, is somewhere around 150 calories. So that can add up pretty quickly. Like a glass of wine. I'd rather have a glass of wine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You have to choose where to spend your calories. Exactly right. You want a pile of nuts or you want a glass of wine? <laughs> I'll take both. <laughs> They're so good together. Well, nuts with wine is delicious. So, so delicious. That's a hard one. 
Um, I mainly put them in salads. Okay. Um, and then some stir fries I'll add nuts to, but predominantly salads. I'll just sprinkle a handful on top. Oh, or your, yogurt in the morning is delicious. Sliced almond, toasted. And I do, I do almond butter. Yeah. And uh, also natural peanut butter on occasion, but mainly almond butter. And again, Costco has this mixed nut and seed butter now that is mm. flax seeds, chia seeds, predominantly almonds, and a few other good things in it. It's very nice flavor. And it's ground, so your, yeah. your body can digest it, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you have so real flax. butter in your fridge? I do. I love okay. butter. I do. No, and I'm I, just asking. Yeah. It's, it, I use it in moderation. I try and, if I'm making a choice, I try and go to olive oil first and then butter secondary. Some things just I'm with need you. the butter. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then this is probably where we're going to differ. I have predominantly whole grains in my pantry. So instead of regular pasta, I typically do a whole grain pasta. And my favorite at the time is this brown rice and quinoa pasta mm-hmm. from Trader Joe's. And it comes in spirals, mm-hmm. um, vermicelli, different different shapes. It, and it's really good. It doesn't have the kind of heavy bite of whole wheat pasta. Um, so this is a nice alternative. And it is a little higher in protein because mm-hmm. it's got the quinoa in it. Um, another good whole grain that is a good way to cheat and be really quick are these seeds of change, brown rice and red rice blend. They also have quinoa rice blends, a lot of different blends that are moderate in sodium, but all you do is nuke this for uh-huh. 90 seconds and you've got a good peel off there. And so the brand is called Seeds, seeds of, of Change. Seeds of Change, yes. And again, Costco carries it in a big you know, box. So you get like, I think it's 10 of these or eight of these in a box. Um, again, really nice to put a piece of grilled salmon on top of. Because when you're, when you're in a hurry, you have kids, you're going to you know, sports practice and whatnot, it's hard to, it's not hard, it takes planning. It's just easier to have something that's quick and easy, open this, nuke it, and rather than stopping it, you know, a fast well, This is place. quick and easy, but this is good for you. Yes, as opposed it is, to quick and easy and, right. you know, not good for you. Right, exactly. I mean, this is organic, so it's, um, you know, it doesn't have the pesticide residue and all that kind of stuff in it. Uh, rice, I do basmati brown rice, mm-hmm. which is great. And then this is another new one. I do the uh, brown rice ramen noodles. Mm. And one of my favorites is to sear chicken thighs with, and I use the um, ginger teriyaki sauce, mm-hmm. your ginger, and to glaze it. And then I serve it over this with a ton of vegetables added in. Right. And I use the, uh, I, whatever left, is left in the pan with barbecue sauce, add a little bit more. And then I usually add some chicken stock and thin it and pour it as a sauce over this. And it's absolutely delicious. You're a good cook, too. I'm a good home cook. I'm you not a You understand the meaning chef. of deglazing and all deglazing, that. Deglazing, so yes, yes. I mean, many people don't understand that, which is so good. So yeah. sad because it's where right. a lot and of flavor can be attributed to your water. Well, that's <laughs> what, what I learned. I did do a week-long cooking class at CIA in um, Napa Valley, Greystone. And one of the most important things I learned is the flavor in the bottom of the pan. Yeah. Like, I did not know that. And are you gluten-free? Is that why you're doing all um, this rice, and, or is that just a preference? I am gluten-sensitive. Uh-huh. I have a, yeah, a dermatitis herpetiformis, which is a not celiac disease, but it's a form of that. So um, I love bread. It's probably my favorite food in the world. Like, and so I, like, if I could sit down with bread, butter, and a glass of wine, I'd be so happy. But, you and Chef over here. Oh, I could, yeah. yes. But, that would so definitely be uh, the last day of my life if I knew it was coming. I'd be like, give me a loaf of bread, a big, nice pound of butter from Ireland, maybe, and uh, a nice glass of wine. That was, we could go together. Let me go. Let me go that way. All right. Uh, so that was quite a bit from your pantry. Yeah. We might do a little bit more of that when we come back. But we're also going to dive into how should we eat as we age? How, how should your diet start to change as we age uh, on Cairo Radio it's the Hot Stove Society show on 97.3 FM I'm a Costco queen I'm a Costco queen 
kosher hot dog and a soda for a buck fifty. Yeah, yeah. Keep it in your pantry. 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 And we're back with Janine Sherry here, president of the New Wellness Topics. Uh, today we're talking about a well-stocked pantry. And Pam, what interested you in that? Because you, it, it, when I've been to your house, your pantry is stocked. It's stocked. But um, Janine had much more organizational tips for getting dinner together quickly from that well-stocked pantry. Yes. I think I, it, a mind to what you're going to build it to and how you're going to use it. You know why I think exactly. that is? Because she lives half her life in a, she travels in an <laughs> RV. Right. That's you, true. You I'm used to, to small spaces yeah. and, and you have to make ah. things count. Yeah. But um, a couple other things that I think are really worth mentioning are one of the things I always keep in my freezer are frozen shrimp. Oh. And this brand is rated one of the best ever. It's uh, Trader Joe's Raw Argentinian Red Shrimp. It is wild caught um, and it has no additives in it. It's just shrimp and then a little bit of salt. Most shrimp has sodium tripolyphos- sure. tripolyphosphate in it to keep it white and keep it moist. And that's why when you thaw it out, it leaves like a wet ring. A big milky ring. Yes, yeah, it's, it's gross. gross. Yeah, it just is like gross. they do with scallops. This, yes, shrimp and scallops both have and that. And even uh, the picked crab meat that you can buy, the little one-pound cans, yeah, has yeah. a lot of that in yeah, it. Yeah, most, extra, most extra processed seafood. Those things are sold by the pound. Right, so it does help hold onto water, therefore more heavier weight. But this is absolutely delicious, and it's it's like 10 bucks a pound, which is unbelievable. Wow. So that's a good And they're one. all peeled and ready to go, right? Peeled, ready to go. Yeah. They're, they're not cooked, but uh, which is great. I used uh, to say you should always have a pound of shrimp in the freezer if you're single and yeah, you're going to have a date. It's always a good thing to absolutely. have. Absolutely. Throw together a great meal with some have pasta. Have some pasta in the cupboard shrimp. and have some shrimp in the, in the freezer yeah, exactly. and a bottle of wine that's, in the... I like how you used to say that, Chef, and your wife is sitting right across from you. <laughs> yeah. I used the word used, uh, too. No, that's a good sign, I guess. No trip in the road to real house. Yeah, there is no, there is no trip in my freezer. There's no dates coming up. <laughs> Another good one just for the freezer is Trader Joe's. It's fire-roasted bell peppers and onions. It's red, yellow, and green bell peppers with onions. So, again, quick weekday meal prep. You don't have to do all the cutting oh, and right, all this. Right. So it's, and there's nothing else in it. It's just fresh vegetables that are frozen. And I think a misnomer about um, vegetables that you don't always have to get them fresh. Um, frozen, typically they are frozen at the field right after picking. So you're retaining most of the nutrient value. Whereas sometimes fresh, right. it sits in the grocery store for a while and then it sits in your crisper for a while. So it can lose a lot of nutrients. Um, so frozen is, is a great convenience. Um, no waste. And, yeah, you uh, just have to look on the package of what's been done to exactly. it. If there's anything just check added, the ingredients. Or, right? And you know, some eat. some mm-hmm. some people just find something amazing about adding all kind of crap to their vegetable. I know, I know, it's unfortunate. So let's talk about that when it comes to uh, as we age. You know, Chef Terry and I are not getting any younger. Uh-uh. We've been doing this show for over 20 years. Wow. Just saying, and so we're you starting. Just started though. Yeah, we, we're starting to feel our age a bit, and sometimes I think the next day I'm feeling what I ate yesterday. It's like. I either feel better or worse today because of what I had for dinner last night. Right. So as we age, is is that true? What I'm feeling, is that true? 
Uh, and is it uh, is there a way to kind of always feel good when you wake up in the morning other than <laughs> obviously just eating fresh vegetables? I think we do get more sensitive to alcohol as we get older, for sure. So, like me personally, I feel the effects of alcohol the day after much more than I used to. So limiting alcohol is a big thing. And just in terms of aging, your metabolism does slow down, uh, that's for sure. But it's not as much as we used to think it was. In fact, there was a study done recently of like over 6,000 people ages 0 to 95, and they looked at their metabolism. They accounted for muscle mass, so they removed that barrier, that variable. And what they found was that in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s, your metabolism stays relatively stable. It's only after 60 that it really starts to plummet. Mm-hmm. All and right. That's what I thought. I can attest to that. Um, but what's interesting is it's even that is only like 0.7% a day, which is maybe... 10 calories. So you can't like use that. it as an excuse. No. Uh, but what they're thinking is that even though, so you're getting a slowdown in metabolism, you're losing a little bit of muscle mass, which mm-hmm. is key because that's the metabolically active um, substance in your body. You want as much muscle mass as you can get. So weight training is extremely important for older people, especially, especially women, I want to say, to build up that muscle so you can increase your metabolic rate and burn more calories every day. Um, but you also want to make sure that every calorie you eat is matters. Like you, you don't really have as much room anymore for empty calories. You can't, like we were talking earlier, you can't really get away with as much as you used to in terms of eating. It seems like everything catches up to you. Like you were saying, so, some people just don't metabolize things as well. Everything mm-hmm. kind of slows down. And what they're thinking, another reason that may impact weight gain as you get older is that the non-muscle tissue also slows down like they're thinking every cell in your body basically slows down yeah. so right. everything's aging so there's just a lot more than just muscle mass and so does our it. rhythm too i mean our rhythm slows down as you get older right. you know you don't run as fast and as crazy as you did when and you were 35 right. you know it's You're, a different different scene yeah speak for yourself chef yeah well, i am i was actually talking about <laughs> me um so how would you eat how would you uh, would you just add more protein to your diet how would do, you eat if you were to, as Medi- you age mediterranean diet is good mediterranean for diet. Okay. like birth through through the end it's the key where you focus on Lots and lots of vegetables, especially leafy greens, um, kale, collards, spinach, um, broccoli, cauliflower, all, all that stuff is, is great. And I would look at my plate and divide half of it. Half of it should be produce. So half your dinner plate should be some sort of vegetable, medley, mix, whatever. Uh, and then the other half I would divide into whole grains and protein. So I would kind of visually do it that way. And really take a look at your portion sizes. In yeah, fact, I was going to say the portion yes. size is where it's, it's, it's really at. We're so used to eat bigger plate than we should. So uh, buy smaller plates? Buy smaller plates. Honestly, buy smaller plate. yeah. use, it helps. Use your salad plate for entree plate for a while. They've done studies where if you have, give someone a box of cookies, they're going to eat a whole lot more than if you put them in a little dish. Um, the other thing is watching what you're drinking. Um, like I don't try and, and consume any calories by fluid, right. just because it doesn't fill me up. Mm-hmm. So I stick to water, flavored seltzers. I avoid the artificial sweeteners at all cost, And even fruit juices. I mean, fruit juice has a ton of calories in it. Mm-hmm. So if you want fruit, eat the whole fruit because you get the fiber and more of the nutrients than just, just the juice. Um, also, make sure that you're watching, like we said, portion sizes. And it's not a bad idea if you have the time and the inclination 
count your calories for a week. It's, it's really interesting. My husband said he wanted to lose like 10 pounds. So he counted his calories for a week. I mean, he was diligent. He got the measuring cup out for his raisin bran. And I'm like, you're, I wouldn't even do that, but he did it. And he, he kept coming up to me going, do you know how many calories are in this much <laughs> peanut butter? I'm like, really? Do yeah. tell. Really doing that for a week can be very enlightening mm-hmm. and let you know where your calories are coming from. And if you want to lose weight, trying to create a 500 calorie a day deficit is kind of a, a hallmark to try and lose about a pound a week. If you can either, 500 calories a day times yeah. seven days a week is 3,500. And there's about 3,500 calories in That's what I've been doing cut. for the last five weeks. And Have you? I lost one pound chef. a week for the last five weeks. Did you? Weeks. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, you look That's quite fantastic. well today. It's, it's uh, all in the, in the size and or the size of the, the amount of food and also just watching not to eat. You're ready to eat that bread and you're like, nope. Nope, nope. Right, Watch, just watching date. the second portions or the extra. Use the bread as a treat, you know, it's like, oh Exactly, exactly, as a treat. And watching <sighs> your, your added fats. Is right. um, nutrition labeling, has it made a difference in the way Americans approach their food? It definitely does, food? yes, and because as has menu labeling. Uh, okay. Menu labeling on, on restaurants has definitely impacted um, not only what consumer buys, but what the uh, company is making. Like, if you uh, yes. have to post that your sandwich has 900 calories, you're like, wow. Uh, 900 calories in a post. Oh, I have a lot of clients with And yet we're fatter sandwich. than ever as a country, so. Oh, yeah. We're, what did I hear? 75% of the country is now overweight? Yeah, it's, and I'm, an, I'm that much for three people, so. <laughs> oh, that's why it's 75%. <laughs> all right. Thank you, uh, Jenny Sherry, for all that, uh, all about your pantry and about uh, how to eat as we age. We have another full hour to go, including Mother Knows Best, some stories about uh, life lessons learned from our mothers in honor of Mother's Day weekend. And we're going to do some crispy tofu? I I think. Okay. (laughs) Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Say hi to your mom for me. We're back. It's the Hot Stove Society Showtime. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you're in your garden or in your kitchen or in your car or podcasting us, whatever it is. If you want to pick up our live feed, you can download our YouTube video. Go to TomDouglasAndCompany.com and click on the uh, class at Hot Stove. You'll see the Hot Stove radio show. So you can watch a few episodes. Yeah. Uh, Jackie has actually been listening to them on the way back and forth to the farm. Normally I don't make her reading list. But uh, lately, she's been uh, listening uh, to the uh, to the podcast, so she quite enjoys it. She especially likes when I talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine she'll join you with a few gummies and watch Asparagus Girl in Eastern Washington. I hope so. Too. Yeah. <laughs> mom, let's talk about mom for a minute. We have a whole segment dedicated to mom, and uh, I have been, it's been front and center on my mind because I still am not used to my mom's stove sitting right here in the Hot Stove Society. Kitchens. Uh, and do we have a picture of that online? We posted it on Instagram. I'll do it. Good. But it still reminds me, probably more than ever, over the last 20 years, I didn't see her all that much, maybe a couple times a year. Uh, but uh, having that stove there just reminds me, like, oh, my God, she cooked meals for 10 people 
for 50 years, three times a day, forever. You know what I mean? Well, I wanted to hear more about that because that takes so much organization and just the sheer volume of food. When I'm following a family in the grocery store and I see the carts like mounded Uh up, I I can't even imagine. Your mom was tiny. How did she push the cart to have enough food for 10 people? Exactly. So she got tinier. I'll say that. She wasn't always as tiny as she ended up. But uh, I do remember as kids, we would each grab a grocery cart and we would follow her around the store. And she would shop on Saturday mornings because we were all in school and had sports on, you know, whatever. And she had a budget. She always lived by her budget that my dad gave her, honestly. So uh, that was her grocery budget. And so we would go down and then we would leave with five mounded carts. Oh, And then my we'd Lord. all carry in the groceries and we'd put them wherever she told us to put them. And that's how she planned her meals throughout. She had two big chest freezers in the basement and three refrigerators, one in the garage, one in the basement, one in the kitchen. Was she working from a very orchestrated list? Uh, just her favorites, just the things that she always made. Whether it was uh, when my dad was coming home off the road, she would always make chili noodles, which was his favorite. What is that? It's a Cincinnati thing where you make, it's like beef chili with, with spaghetti. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's not any chili different. Noodles. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds just like yeah. you would do a... I mean, yeah, we rarely sauce. had like a prime rib unless it was Christmas or right, something right. like that. That's we, too expensive. And then my dad would pick up things when he was driving around that were on sale. My dad, you couldn't stop him from going for a sale. He would drive 50 miles an hour, or 50 miles out of his way to save a penny a gallon on gas. So <laughs> he was just wired that way. So he was the, when Costco came around and he realized there was free food at Costco, every lunch was planned around the demo stations at Costco. <laughs> And he'd eat for free on the road. So uh, it was just one of those crazy things that I even wrote when I wrote his obituary. I even wrote about him and all the extra food Costco is going to have now because <laughs> my dad's not perusing the aisles. How about, how about you, Chef Terry? Well, tell us a story about uh, how your mom dealt with you rascals. Mother's Day. How many were there? There were Just three. Three of you. Three kids. Mm-hmm. One brother, one sister. Mother's Day was very uh, simple. It was a, a little bit festive, obviously. And uh, we always made a, you know, a card for mom, and we write something for a nice little note each for, for mom. But uh, it was usually lunch on a Sunday, and uh, it would be mostly rabbit. was one very high your mother rabbit on Mother's Day? We didn't cook it. My mom would cook it. You she made would your cook. mother cook on Mother's Day? Yes. You know, when you're, when you're 10 years old, you, know, you take the rabbit. You're not going to do a good job with the rabbit, I think. As well as she would. And, and she would cook it in a pressure cooker, which wouldn't take very long. You know, in, in an hour, my mom would have the rabbit on the table. So and your dad was never, he was never, like... He was never a cook. My dad, my dad would help a little bit in dicing and, you know, mostly making sure the kids would do what they're supposed to do right. during Mother's Day, right. which is make sure you get your cards, your flour, go in the backyard, pick up some flowers and, you know, put, do all that stuff. But for the food, my, my dad would dress the table. I mean, he would put the, the table together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he wouldn't be uh, cooking. My mom would always do the cooking. My mom was like your mom. She was like cooking three meals a day. I mean, at breakfast, we don't eat breakfast. So it was very simple. Toast and butter and jam and hot cocoa or, you know, as a child mm-hmm. or coffee for the adults. Pam, did your mother rue the day that you had to cook for her because you would only <laughs> cook vegetables? <laughs> How long were you a vegetarian in your, in your mom's house? Were you? It, was until I, it wasn't until I left for college. Oh, okay. So I, I didn't impose that on him, but I did try to get him to start eating guacamole. But so many times I just threw it in the woods around their house because nobody would eat it. And I would make piles of it because I thought it was the best food ever. 
But my mother wasn't a cook um, last year at this segment. We talked about her epic Jello salads, and which, uh, by the way, I heard at her, her memorial there was no Jello no salad. salad. You I were know. lying to us. I promised Mike and Jackie that there would be Jello, and we had the crustless ham sandwiches. Uh-huh. We had the most delicate cream puffs with that perfect. Creme anglaise inside, just the tiny ones that were my favorite. You mean pastry ever. cream? Somebody made them. Pastry cream, yeah, yeah. There's a little guild of ladies at the church huh. that that do those events. But the leg, my mother's legacy for my cooking style was her grilled cheese sandwich. That was one thing she really mastered mm-hmm. and taught me about putting mustard in your grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, oh, so that's, that's exactly it. what it should be. Velveeta, American cheese, real cheese? Slice, no, sliced American cheese. Sliced American cheese. So I have upgraded to Beecher's, but it's still the <laughs> butter and the mustard. Yeah, I mean, a good Beecher with, with mustard and a good bread, I mean, excellent. Top Who doesn't notch. like that? That and a little tomato soup? Excellent lunch. I love it. So... Uh, Congrats to all the moms out there. It's a hard job making those babies. And uh, I know my daughter who's... Uh, I think ma- I mean, re- making them is the easy part. Raising them is a the hard part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> making doesn't look like... Loretta's in the, got twins in the oven, so it doesn't look like a whole lot of fun to me. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about crispy tofu. I can smell it. Pam's got it in the waffle iron. Tofu in the waffle iron. I do. Iron. On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Tofu, right here in the hot stove kitchen. You know, when these subjects come up, Terry, you know as well as I do that there's only one person that they can emanate from. That's right. And that would be our producer, Pam Hinckley. So, Pamela, tell us uh, why it is that you just pulled two uh, little pieces of firm tofu out of our waffle iron that was is now probably ruined for life. <laughs> I'm looking for that crisp outer coating mm-hmm. uh, of to, a tofu on the tofu without deep to firm. get my husband to eat it oh that's and a different so story it's a different story <laughs> and so in the i've tried both uh in the cast iron with a layer of oil or tossed uh in cornstarch and oil and in the oven with mixed results, mm-hmm. so this was just the result being that it wasn't crispy enough it wasn't crispy okay. enough or or i dried it out too much, you know, because you do still want that nice pillowy softness in the mm-hmm. center. The reason I was doing this is because I saw on Serious Eats this really engaging salad, tofu, kale, avocado, grapefruit with a miso tahini dressing. But the trick is to get the tofu perfect. Mm-hmm. So Trying to put all those flavors together, it sounds a little bit random. It, it it sounded like maybe there's one or ten too many ingredients, right, right. but like- I made it last night mm-hmm. uh, with tofu done both ways in in the waffle iron or in the cast iron, and um, 
it was a wonderful mixture of flavors. There's the depth of the sesame from the tahini, and then you get that bright lift with the grapefruit and crunchy tofu. <coughs> it was perfect. And I used sorrel, arugula, romaine as the green base. Oh, you had nice greens. Yeah, it, it, it requires a great layer of greens. The recipe calls for kale, but... So the only thing I would kale. say is you marinated your tofu in soy. Which is well, a very she did two different marinades. Right, one with, one with soy and the other one with... Well, no, the um, one recommendation is... Because you, you, to get fried tofu uh, crispy, it has to be dry. Right. And so you're supposed to just... So you start with firm tofu. Always firm. Put it on paper towels, paper dry towel. it out. Yep, yep, yep. Or yep. press it. Or press it. Or press it. And... But um, the other recommendation is to do hot boiling salted water over the tofu. And it seems counterintuitive, but that brings out the moisture. And then do the same and drying. Th- but then you still yep. have to do things. But it doesn't take as long mm-hmm. with the drying. It's like what they do with eggplant slices. Sometimes you right. yeah, salt exactly. to bring the moisture out. Yeah, so I I didn't. My testing wasn't really accurate because the one that I did in the fry pan I used cornstarch with, and the <laughs> ones that Here I did go, in the waffle iron I didn't. <laughs> so it wasn't a scientific study. No kidding. But uh, the fried one so in the uh, I have a cast iron came out the best. <laughs> you had the same thing we just did. Did you find it too salty? Was it salty today? I didn't taste it. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. plenty salty, but I didn't. If you're going to add all the greens and all those other things to the salad, I don't think it was too salty. It would oh. be a nice little salty bit in a bigger salad. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, let's, how would, uh, I'm looking for your techniques. <laughs> well, I think we're just going to evaluate your technique. <laughs> um, personally, <laughs> Chef, my, how about you? My technique you? would be not to do the soy um, marinated. Uh, that's the way I would do it. I would, I would put the soy at the end. So yes. it's not so, such a salt bomb. Mm-hmm. I could control that. I'm not a big... I don't like when it's too salty like that. That's just me. It's a matter of preference. But you're, you uh, were just eating the tofu on its own. Correct. Instead of, yeah. No, no, and I, I understand the, the mixing, but I, if I had a preference, I would do it without, I would do the soy at the end to have a clean of soy flavor. I'm just, that's just me. So I No, I, I like that because I, I think I overcompensate that way. Because you added that soy at the end, too. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I liked about the waffle iron, shockingly enough, was it did work. It did kind of make it crispy. Yeah, it was very cool looking. It the indentations, which, as you noted, helps pick up some of the salad dressing. Yeah. It uh, gives you a little, little puddles of uh, dressing in each bite. I just think you're trying too hard <laughs> to, eat, to eat tofu. That's another, that's another statement. You're trying too hard to eat tofu. You know, um, so if you go to any sort of Asian grocery store, they'll have pre-fried tofu for you or tempeh or... Or something already, so but it's not crispy. Pre-fried tofu is no, it's not. You're it's, right. It's I pretty like the crispy, crisp, crunch. Yeah. Well, you didn't get it there in the waffle yeah. iron. If that is, was that the crunch you're looking for? What what we just got in the waffle iron? No, because yeah, because to me, what I liked about where this one is now, it's still soft and in the middle, and custardy a little bit, but it has that. I like the way, unlike chef. I like the soy sauce kind of glazed to the outside of it there a bit. And it, it, it looks good, too. You know, yeah. It looks of, very cool. Sort of pimply way. If you want it really crisp, <laughs> I think that if you really want it crisp, I think deep frying is where it's at. Uh, even on the plancha, I mean, I'm thinking on a flat top, you know, like a very, very hot plancha. 
I don't think you could get it as crisp as you could deep fry it. I mean, it's and the deep frying okay. though, you have to go a little bit slow, right? Because you're gonna you burn have it. to wait until it stops boiling in the oil, because that's when you know all the moisture is out. Or you could take it and just slice it in thin slices and fry it like that, but right. um, and then put that in your salad, little little bits of fried tofu. And you said you you turned down your nose when Terry and I said, well, "Why don't you just deep fry it?" You said, "Well, I don't deep fry." <laughs> right. I just and then she says at the same time, "I just put a half an inch of oil in the sauté pan and I fry it on both sides." That's not deep frying. That's la- shallow that's frying. Shallow frying. <laughs> exactly. So you know, it's funny to think about it in, in those terms that you know, just a, plenty of oil in a pan is essentially the same as deep frying. Well, um, Becky said she just did hers in the air fryer. Was that a good result, Becky? And it had excellent results. Yeah, so I, I, would I believe, like that because I would that think you would. Buy one. Yeah, you I think what? you would in an air fryer. I think you would get a good results. Yeah. I had an Italian sausage done in the air fryer at my daughter's house uh, this last week for dinner. And let's just say I had to go to the Gimois afterwards. <laughs> but tell us more. It well, was, it, the result was not pleasing. Not for me, it wasn't. Okay. You know, I've, I've done a show on deep fry, or air fryers against convection oven. Aren't they the you same thing? No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Are they the same? <laughs> my daughter and I have been fighting about this. I know. Turns we might out have to reprise now. that episode. Okay. Our Rub with, uh, our rub with Love Ambassador Carol Bausch is here. We're going to talk about our all-new all-star rub. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show. Then comes three of them. You're the lady, I am too fool. You're the lady, you're the lady, tofu. Oh, the tofu came on sing like lovers to a wedding. And the chewers forgot the meat they were regretting. They had soy pie, they were stir fried, dancing on it. All right, it's time for our all-star rub with love edition. Yay! Yay! Carol Scottersky out of Kraken. T-shirt on. You are the, the newest. You're, you're one of the first members of the Seattle Kraken Cheer Club. Oh, yeah. I'm on the bandwagon. Yeah. Yes, in a big way. Yes. I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotturo, the chef in the hat. We're coming to you from the Hotel Andre in downtown Seattle. And Carol is our Rub With Love product line manager. Guru. Has been for years out at our Ballard Warehouse where we actually mix and sell all of our rubs. And Rub With Love, as you know, is the sponsor for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. Thank you for that, Carol. You have come up with a pop-up yes. uh, edition of our rub and um, I think best described as barbecue potato chip flavored. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, we are taking advantage of some very exciting things that are happening here in Seattle this summer. The All-Star Game is coming to town and we thought what better way to pay tribute, but to honor sports with food because sports create community and food create community. And I think together, whether you're sitting at the ballpark or sitting at the table, it's a way to be brought together. And it's really delicious. It's versatile. And I think it's really fun. It's got a little baseball on the lid. It's it's got a little baseball (laughs) on the lid. And, you know, when you go to the baseball park, 
you're thinking before you even walk in, what am I going to have to eat? Right? right. You're thinking about the dogs. You know, how, <laughs> I always think, who's when got I go the, to the brownest board, hot dogs? It's is, funny because when I go to the ballpark, all I think about is what team I'm going to be watching. <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah. You know, thing. I like how Tommy's like, what am I going to eat? Well, the teams, uh, used to be I would always stop in Chinatown and get a duck and take it in the box into the game, into the kingdom. And then they stopped letting you do that. Because, you know, when I was going to the kingdom, um, you were literally could sit in any section you wanted by yourself uh, until the very end, until uh, we had the playoffs. But for 20 years, there was never... Anybody. Well, no. Well, I think we averaged about 5,000 a game right. in a 70,000-seat stadium. <laughs> so, so, so there's seats for everybody. Anyway, so uh, Carol had this idea to come up with this uh, a tribute to the All-Star Game. Of course, we're not allowed to say Major League Baseball or any of that. I know, of course. Not because uh, we're not licensed to do that. But I think it's delicious. I was making it on steak the other night. Mm-hmm. I sent you pictures. Yep. And uh, I, I loved how it caramelized without a whole lot of sugar in there. Yep. And uh, it was um, super tasty. And as more smoke, I would say, yes. flavor than our particular, our own uh, smoky barbecue rub has. Yes, I've done it on chicken. I've done it on tater tots. was really delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done pork chops. And you did it on tater tots? I'm so proud of you. I know. It was so good. Yeah. One of the greatest things about this product <laughs> is how it smells when it's cooking. Mm-hmm. I just love that. It, it's, uh, it's magical. Uh, so it's only around for a short time, right? Limited edition. Get it while you can. What do we have? 250 cases total? Uh, yeah, we're, we don't have a lot. So mm-hmm. you can get it right now. It's on our website. You can get it at, down at Seatown and Etta's. Uh, by tomorrow, you'll be able to get it at Far West Sports in Fife. That's uh, a great hit. Yeah, we have uh, our friends at Made in Washington stores will be carrying it very soon. And hopefully more more grocery stores. I'm sure they're going to jump right. on the bandwagon because it's a big celebration. So Yes. What about the potato chip? Like, have you done really good potato chips with it yet? I haven't yet, but let's do it. Yeah, I should have. You know what she did bring us today? I don't know if you saw this box in front of me because I've been <laughs> eating them all, but she brought us rubber doodles. Mm-hmm. Tell us about those. Well, you know, uh, most of our product is done in a savory mode, whether you're cooking vegetables or whatever. And, and we thought, why can't we make no, wait, a wait, dessert? Wait. We didn't think. Okay, I thought, why don't we do something sweet? So I took my favorite snickerdoodle recipe, and instead of cinnamon sugar, I roll them in our Chinese 12 spice Uh and bake them off. And so it's a little bit, got a little bit of a kick to it and a little sweet. And it's really good. It's very, very delicious. It it matches really well. Yeah. I I was impressed. It's really good. And then you just dip it in teriyaki sauce, right? No. Why not? (laughs) No. No. Well, you know, it's fun. We literally sit around the table sometimes and and taste different ingredients, and we deal with spice companies all over the world, and uh, locally we smoke our own paprika. We we do a lot of things that uh, you might not think about when you look at our rubbed uh, line on the shelf, but just as we had Janine earlier on the show, you know, the nutritionals, the calorie counts, the ingredient list... Did you know that when you make a product that the ingredient list has to be in order of volume in the that jar, is right? something I know for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And and I I wonder sometimes if everyone respects that. Oh. I mean, they wouldn't get away with being able to do that, right, Janine? Carol, what do you think about that? I think people do. I think you have to. Yeah, I think because yeah. if you if you don't, it will throw off your nutritionals. This is why it's always important to read the label because sometimes you're impressed. You go, I wonder if this is good. The first thing you see is sugar. You're like, uh. hmm. <laughs> well, sometimes sugar is, you know, it's not Well, if you're trying to buy something savory, 
usually that's not what you're looking for. I understand, but our, we have the best-selling salmon rub in the world, and it's got plenty of brown sugar in it because it's part of the caramelization process <laughs> of that particular rub. But I expect to see sugar in that. I'm talking about sometime you read label and you're just impressed, and there is sugar as number one, and, and yeah. you don't expect it to yeah. be. So read the label is always interesting. I'm very surprised to see the rice vinegar powder, but I think that's kind of brilliant. I think you're going to like it. Because it gives it that little under layer sharpness mm-hmm. with the seasonings, right? And honey granules. Mm-hmm. This is sexy. Well, when you're making a dry rub, it's interesting that you have to use ingredients that are dry. And so you end up using lemon crystals. You end up right, using powdered right. vinegars. The big problem with powdered vinegars is they are super powdery. And so when you turn the mixture on, they want to blow up a little bit in the room. Oh. And God, you have to wear a mask when you're, you're using vinegars yeah. uh, because it just really gets right up your nose. Have you worked with it before? Uh, not specifically, no. Mm-hmm. no. This that is was new. A night, night. So how, what was the process of balancing the flavors to get the right palate? Just like you, you did when you designed the veggie rub for us. It's just exactly that. You just you try you know, what you think is going to be a good mix. And then you say, well, I want more garlic or I want, you know, I want something else. I need some brightness. So for me, when I want brightness, I go to the lemon crystals or the lemon powder of some sort. But that's exactly how you get there. Yeah. It's just back and forth, back and forth. And then you have to make a recipe that can be multiplied. Yeah. Because so, I don't care whether you're making angel food cake or spice rub. Nothing ever seems to work just in plain multiplication tables. What Tom is referring to is making one versus making a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Not just making three, but making a thousand. Things change drastically. And mm-hmm. then you, then you got to make your recipe in percent, not in, not in weight because things changes. And Well, it ended up being kind of uh, in, in weight, but especially in a dry situation. Right. In a wet situation where you're making, say, cornbread from mm-hmm. one batch to six batches of cornbread in the same bowl, right. you can really end up oh, yeah. off kilter yeah. Yeah, with your Yeah, I mean, things or, like eggs and things like this, especially mm-hmm. eggs, you know, things like that, they're never exactly the same. So you time it by 1,000, you end up with a, a couple dozen more than you want or less. Or soggy, soggy because, right. you know, the eggs can be... Small, medium, large, extra large jumbo. And next thing you know, what you really have to do is beat the eggs and then weigh the amount of beaten egg that you use so that you, because not every egg is the same weight. Can we go back to the potato chips? Yes, we can go back to the potato chips. I know sometimes you recommend the seasoning at the end so it doesn't get burnt. Mm -hmm. If, If I wanted to get my mandolin out, do my potatoes, put them in a convection oven. No. Oil, oil, oil. oil. We're, we're deep frying, thank you. Deep frying. Oh. <laughs> are you making potato chips in the oven? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, stop yeah. it. This is why she's you know no what? longer a restaurant it chef. It goes like this in life. If you can't have potato chips, don't eat potato chips. <laughs> but don't make potato chips another way because you won't have pot- No. Potato chips are deep You're fried. You're getting a scolding right oh now. Oh, my God. Enough with this changing everything. So to everything. answer your question that you wanted to ask is when I'm deep frying the potato chips, then I, I get them to the point where I want them crisp and I get a metal bowl and I take my all-star rub and my salt, if I, if I need more, although I find this one plenty salty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, after they're fried in the bowl, no paper towel. <laughs> you want that little extra oil residue. Yeah, you want a little bit of that oil. Because you want the chips enough, wet enough with the, res- the oil residue to pick up the spice rub. Right? Mm. So then they're nicely coated. And then you put in to your taste level. So for me, I like a, a plenty of barbecue seasoning on my chips. Almost always, I'd say nine 
I'm a barbecue chip aficionado. I know this. Yeah, and uh, almost nine times out of ten, there's not enough seasoning mix on. You can carry me. this around with you all the time. I do. I'm going to carry the All Star <laughs> rub with me. So oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly how they're made. And we've been went down to Tim's Chips when we were talking yeah. about doing mm-hmm. our spice chips or spice popcorn, and. They literally just haven't been big tumblers. Next thing you know, they're running down a line, getting popped into a, a cellophane bag, and you're all you're all set. So that's what I would do. I would take our All Star Rub, hot chips, put them together, and you're magic. Yeah, exactly. And one more thing, we're also doing specials down at Sea Town and Etta's using this product for the next next couple months. So check out those two restaurants. Check out the rub. You can yeah, Etta's with some barbecue. Oh. And the first three people, I know we got YouTubers listening, but the first three people that uh, sign in saying they want a jar rub and send it to you, Pamela, not to me, uh, will send out a, a free jar of our all-star rub. Thanks for that, Douglas. Yeah. I'm first still reading people. the stove entries. I know. Exactly. We're going to talk about that next on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Potato chips, potato chips, how my mouth does drip, potato chips, how my mouth does drip. Mama's gonna keep you right here under her wing. She won't let you fly, but she might let you sing. Mama's gonna keep baby cozy and warm. All right, it's time to wrap up our Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge right here on the Hot Stove Society show. Hey, Pam, uh, grab the mic for one second. And this is the last weekend for people to send in the pictures of the stove they grew up with at their mom's house. Yep. And a thought about why it's important to me and the recipe idea that they love and maybe even still make in their household. Yes, the, the fifth is the day that we're doing the drawing. So. And then where do they send that to? Pamela H. at TomDouglas.com. Same place they send for their free yep. all-star. Th- yeah. yeah, it's busy email. Nice job. Okay, Becky Guzak is uh, stepping up to the mic. Uh, she's a, a longtime listener, feisty uh, young lady from the east side who thinks that uh, Chef Terry and I deserve a beating once in a while when it comes to trivia. And She just resets the clock, you know. She, she, I think she just kind of loads up the game against the us world. personally, so... That's all right. So, Becky, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank welcome. you. You did a tribute to mothers in, mother's your, Day. in your questions today. Yes. And uh, we have at the mic, Janine yeah, and Heather. Heather from our audience. Janine was on earlier. She's the dietitian who's probably going to kick our butt too. Heather, I don't know. She's I, a writer. You're a writer. So, so there may be some trivia. Oh, okay. There might be some trivia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we play this game. Uh, uh, Becky's going to ask each of us five questions. Uh, the winner gets to shout for fame for the rest of their life. And the loser just walks around with their fingers cocked over their head in an L as a loser, <laughs> loser, loser. Chef, are you ready? Yes, I'm getting scared, but yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is getting intense. Right. You'll do great, Chef in the Hat. Okay. Okay, Terry, can you name the classic Middle Eastern dessert that is often enjoyed on Mother's Day and is composed with layers of phyllo, butter, nuts, and honey? Baklava. Nailed it. Okay, true or false, Betty Crocker was the mother of eight children. True. That's completely false. (laughs) Might I have two options? Uh, The food industry created this fictional character in 1921 to encourage mothers to use processed foods in their home-cooked meals. I'm so sorry I did not know the answer. 
I would have loved to be the one to say that. You were in France back then. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. All right. Betty Crocker, I did not know her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, multiple choice. Mother's Day can be a great time to forage for morel mushrooms. What is the world record weight of the largest morel found in Ohio in 2017? <laughs> one, one and a half pounds, three pounds, or five and a half pounds? A five pound morel? A real morel, not a false real morel. Yeah. A real morel. 12 inches in diameter. Oh, that's a five-pounder. It's actually a three. I thought it was going to well, Even three-pounder, I would love to find that. Okay. Okay, oh. true or false, quinoa was the first cultivated for food 7,000 years ago in the Andes Mountains. True or false, the Incas called quinoa the mother grain, believing it was sacred. Absolutely. That is true. true. Yes. And then, could you please share a cooking tip, recipe, or culinary insight that your mother taught you growing up? Yeah, when you're making potofu, which is one of my favorite dishes she makes, to degrease the uh, top of the pot, as soon as it comes to a boil, the first thing you do is first get rid of all the impurities. Qu'est-ce que c'est pot- potofu? Oh, potofu is a boiled beef uh, vegetable dish, very traditional in France. When, when you first bring it to a boil, all the impurity comes up. You have to get rid of that. You know, skim, it's called skim the scum in the kitchen. And then the next thing that comes up is all that fat from the, um, either you use oxtail or neck, all that fat comes up and you keep all, you take all that fat off the stew, but you keep it on the side to put later on back into the broth when you use the broth for a pho. Sounds delicious. Mm. Yeah. That's a full point for sure. Full point. All right. Yeah. How many did you get, chef. Jerry? Three out of five. Three out of five. Okay. Okay. You ready? Heather ready? and Janine. Thank you. Um, what is the name of the French breakfast dish that translates translates to lost bread and is a popular Mother's Day brunch item? Brioche? I don't know. French no, toast. French toast. <laughs> French toast. <laughs> she, gave she gave you the hint. Yes. It's called pain perdu. Pain perdu. Pain perdu. Yes. Bread lost. True or false, botanically, tomatoes and zucchini are fruits, not vegetables. True. True. Fruit develops from the flower of a plant and contains seeds, while vegetables consist of roots, stems, and leaves. So bell peppers, avocado, olives even, they're really fruits. Please name the popular beverage made from fermented tea that is believed to have been originated in China and is often savored during Mother's Day brunches. Kombucha. You have to talk right into the mic or nobody can hear you on a, out in Kombucha. radio land. Kombucha, you got it. Woo! <laughs> That's the first one we could hear, yeah. Can you name the creamy Italian dessert, which translates to cooked cream that is traditionally enjoyed on Mother's Day? Would you like options? Yes. Okay, it's yes. Italian dessert, and here's the three options. Creme brulee, pot de creme, or panna cotta. Panna cotta. Well done. Yes. Nice job. And then finally, do you have a favorite recipe or something your mother taught you growing up? My family's Australian, not known for their culinary talents. They taught me to make a good, strong cup of tea. Lovely. The other one is a reservation. (laughs) Absolutely. Mine would probably be chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, lovely. Okay, thank you. Well done. Yes. All right, Tom, you got to beat. I think you got to. Ooh, you got to beat four out of five. Four out of five. All right, Douglas' turn. Necessity has been the mother of many inventions throughout history. Which cooking tool was invented in 1679 by a French physicist to save valuable fuel by reducing cooking time by half or more than conventional boiling? It's a used- magnifying glass. <laughs> the pressure cooker. Pressure cooker. I thought you were going to get that one for sure. No. Ah, okay. Because, you know, as I found out as a kid, if you put a magnifying glass over an ant, you can cook it really fast. <laughs> Do you know what That's they, good. Do you That's know what they call it in France, the uh, pressure cooker? They call it cocotte minute. Oh, that makes sense. In a See, minute. Okay. That's why I didn't recognize it. 
Which famous mother is quoted for saying, the hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread? Mother Teresa. Got it. Yeah. Oh, yep. She recognized that while physical nourishment is important, it's equally important to provide emotional and spiritual nourishment through the acts of love and kindness. Fun fact, Buzz Aldrin's mother's maiden name was Moon. (laughs) True. That is true. Um, But, true or false, the first meal eaten on the moon by Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong consisted of bacon, peaches, sugar cookie cubes, pineapple grapefruit drink, and coffee. No tang? Not yet. Oh, this was on the moon? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Why not? It no. is. That is true. Wow. That is true. Number four, Forrest Gump stated, my mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Who is that? into one. Yeah. What? Who is the actress who played the wise Mrs. Gump? Sally Field. Yes. yes. Good job. And finally. Which please, is different than strawberry fields. Uh, please share a favorite dish or something that your mother taught you about cooking. Uh, my mother taught me to not be a pig when she made meatloaf the night before because I, if I loved it in my sandwiches when they went in the brown paper bag to go to school, that there wouldn't be enough left. Delayed how, gratification. Yeah, it's how I learned how to not overeat. Awesome. Well, sort of. <laughs> working on it. Terry. You know what I loved on my sandwiches? So sweet pickles. I think Tom. And, and uh, Heinz chili sauce. Oof. I think Tom tied with the girls. Way to go, ladies. Sorry, Chef. If you want to be part of our show, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas and Company. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe to your favorite podcast app. The show is produced by Pema Hinckley, uh, Becky Guzak, uh, nicely jumping in on the trivia challenge. Sean McFadden is our technical producer, and our ever-loving Cairo editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. Thanks for listening, and happy Mother's Day. Yeah!